all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Well, everybody, it is another uh, Max FunCon here and gone. Uh, I, of course, went, as always, uh, enjoyed the heck out of it, and now I'm back to tell you all about it. Uh, so before we get going, um, let's start with a little Ladies song. and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. So this song is the the fake uh, uh, graduation commencement speech uh, that was attributed to Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, It was originally written by a woman who I believe worked for the Chicago Sun-Times, and she didn't deliver it either. She just wrote it in an article, and it was just meant to be like a, hey, here's graduates, um, here's a bunch of stuff I've learned. And it's really good. Like, I've listened to this song a bunch of times. I highly recommend you look it up on YouTube. Of course, I'm talking all the way over it, so you're not going to get any of the advice that uh, was meant to be bestowed upon you. Um, But uh, so it um, it, it is really great, and it's great advice. And it was really interesting, too, because this song pretty much bookended the weekend at Max FunCon. And, uh, you know, Max FunCon is is sort of like, you know, my New Year's Eve in a way. You know, it's it's a, a time of, you know, retrospection. It's a time of, of uh, just unabashed joy. Uh, and it's the most compact, compressed two days, two and a half, well, yeah, two days that you'll ever have in your life. And you leave those two days feeling like you've been away for a week. And so to have this song uh, just be... You know, there, you know, sort of in the mix, you know, thinking about, you know, introspection and life and advice and everything. It's just, it just, it makes it, it makes it feel more than coincidental that it is there. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have children. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll divorce at 40. Maybe you'll dance the funky chicken on your 75th wedding anniversary. Whatever you do, don't congratulate yourself too much, or berate yourself either. Your choices are half chance. So are everybody else's. So um, let's talk Enjoy about uh, 
what happened this year at uh, Max FunCon. Um, uh, my apologies to 50% of the listeners of this podcast because they were also there and they have already heard this. So, um, sorry. <laughs> but to the other person who listens, um, okay, so uh, obviously uh, 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 Clark has been listening for a while and so uh, knows what Max FunCon is. Um, and so uh, this year, and so I guess, you know, what the only part of this that needs to be reiterated is what just a world class star fucker I am. I, 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 it is. It, it, it terrifies and horrifies Miriam every time um, when, you know, my eyes get wide and she knows I've spotted a celebrity. Good news is it does not happen that often. Bad news is she's just like, oh, no, you're going to say something. I mean, she doesn't say anything out loud, but she doesn't have to. I know what she's thinking. She's thinking, I'm going to say something dumb, which I frequently do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and it's going to be just uh, embarrassing for everybody, for me, for the person I am assaulting. Uh, yeah, just bad all the way around. So, um, so you know, in, in years past, uh, there have been, you know, lots of famous people and other times, you know, uh, people you haven't heard of. Well, this year was a good year for my star fucking. So, um, yeah. So let's get, let's jump to the end. Um, uh, the uh, the musical guest. So they always do a live podcast taping uh, of one of the podcasts on the the podcasting network, the Maximum Fun Podcasting Network. Well, this year I think they did two. Uh, and one of them was called The Art of the Process, uh, hosted by Ted Leo and Amy Mann. So now that the advice song is coming to an end, let's get back into Amy Mann's life. So let's start with the beginning uh, and her band Till Tuesday, uh, where uh, they had the big hit Voices Carry. And she had, you know, shaved head and spiky, and and it's a it's a disturbing ass song. I was just listening to this before uh, we started recording, and it, it's it's about an abusive relationship. And then you watch the video, and the video is about an abusive relationship, and you're just like, wow, this is this is awful. Uh, and yet, big hit for them. So, uh, yeah, and so, you know, I, I, I put this in the mix just so you could get a remembrance of, like, what did Amy Mann from the 80s sound like, you know? How much gallon of reverb did they put on her voice, you know? You know, she's very, very, like, high register singing. But I figured, you know, we all kind of remembered the song, so I didn't put the whole thing in. But instead, um, what I did was I purchased uh, her album, uh, Bachelor Number no. Two. Uh, and so you can get uh, a different sense of what Amy Mann is doing, you know, more recently. This album's a few years old, but it does fit with the kind of uh, style she's doing these days. Cause this show is too well designed To wanna be held with only me in mind 
So my star fuckery really uh, comes into focus because I am just obsessed with getting photos from my for my photo series, excited and bored, and in which uh, a celebrity gets to choose. You know, do you want to be? Because here's the deal, and maybe I, I I can't remember if I've ever gone over the origin story of this series, but what happened was is I have a friend who will go nameless, but. Half of you know them, and uh, he took uh, four celebrity photos over you know several years, and then he liked them so much, and you know, and he was so happy about you know meeting these people that he had them made into coasters, and then uh, <laughs> and so he had all four coasters sitting out on his coffee table, and I was looking at them, and I was like, oh wow. He is super excited to be in this photo, and uh, the celebrity is not. Uh, they are quite bored uh, about being there and don't really want to take the photo. So I was like, okay, let's let's do that. And then um, for a while, I, the early pictures, I was like, hey, when I would go up to the celebrity, I would be like, hey, just pretend you're bored. And they'd be like, okay, and then we'd do it. Uh, and then it was Rick Overton. Uh, I, I believe it was Rick Overton who uh, was the one who, you know, I, I can't remember how I came up with the idea of leaving the choice up to the celebrity. Uh, I, I don't know where that came from. Rick Overton was the one, though, who was nice enough to do both. Um, and he's one of the very few to do both. Um, but Rick Overton, for those of you who don't remember, uh, he was a stand-up comedian in the 80s, and uh, if you love uh, the movie Groundhog Day as much as I do, he is, uh, you might remember him as one of the two dudes in uh, the truck that uh, Bill Murray sort of commandeers when he's got the hedgehog with him, and they are out of their mind drunk. And uh, you know, uh, Bill Murray's uh, you know got the got the hedgehog with the paws up on the steering wheel. Okay, now don't drive angry. Uh, and then I think he just winds up launching the truck off of a hill or something, uh, and then of course wakes up you know the next day. So uh, anyway, so that's sort of the origins of Excited and Bored. And now it's gotten to the point where it's just like all I can think of is just like. Oh my God, I gotta get the picture with that person who's doing that thing. Um, uh, uh, Alexis Perplexis, who uh, was with me at Max Con, asked uh, who the most, the biggest celebrity is uh, that I have in my collection. God, I sound like a fucking big game hunter. Like I, like I possess these people. But honestly, no joke. I mean, that's the way I think of it. I think of it about as like hunting. Um, so to answer his question, it's either, I mean, it's, um, it's, it depends on how you judge fame, right? Like I have a picture with both Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani. Hey, Nanjiani! And uh, they, they are, uh, you know, they got nominated for Academy Award. Um, but, you know, maybe they're not household names. And then um, Josh Molina, Josh Molina, who's been on, you know, The West Wing and um, and uh, Scandal and you know many other things. Um, I, you know, he's he's uh, uh, somebody that I have a photo with as well. So 
Uh, there you go. And you know, there's it's on Facebook, it's on Flickr, so it's all it's a it's a it's a great collection of of, of just non-sensory goofishness that I absolutely love. So, um, oh yeah, so I I got a picture with Amy Mann. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the work juice players, as they are affectionately known, uh, were also there. And, uh, for, for those who don't know, there, there was this podcast that, uh, that was around a while ago. And, uh, the, it was called the Thrilling Adventure Hour. And it was, uh, uh just, uh, it was, it was, in the style of radio plays, but they were all original scripts. And it was an amazing, amazing podcast. Um, And it was, you know, written, you know, by two dudes. They wrote it all themselves. They did an hour and a half show once a week, and then they would slice the hour and a half show up into, you know, smaller pieces. And then, um, you know, uh, dole it out, you know, week over week. And it was, it's, it's a delight. Uh, they, see now, this is, this is why the Max Fun business model works out really well. Because, you know, Maximum Fun, they run the whole thing off of donations. And the donations, you know, Max Fun takes their cut. It's not much, but... The rest of it goes directly to the people who make the shows. And so you go to the page, you know, on the donate page, and you pick the shows that you listen to. And then, you know, the, the shows that get listened to keep stay on the network. And, and more importantly, the hosts, it's in their financial best interests. If they have a popular show and people who donate listen to it, uh, to keep doing it. And uh, for the thrilling adventure hour sakes, because they were not on maximum fun, they didn't really see the point. And, you know, they were getting offers to do bigger and better things. And, uh, you know, their podcast, who was, which is just ad driven, you know, was not paying the bills or maybe it was, but it was enough. It was, it was a little enough to walk away from it. Um, so, uh, so they did, uh, and they, they're doing it again now. They've got a, a Patreon, uh, thing that they're doing and it's, it's kind of lame cause it's not, it's not them doing it. It's, uh, it's somebody else. Uh, and then they're just sort of you know, piecemeal hiring back the uh, the old cast that they have that, that 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 used to do it. It's it's just not the same. So anyway, the uh, the the cast that was there was uh, Mark Gagliardi, Janet uh, Varney, uh, Hal Lublin, and uh, Annie Savage, and uh, they couldn't been nicer. Uh, they actually taught an improv class, which of course I took. I mean, I've done a ton of improv, so, you know, it was, um, you know, a bunch of uh, repeat stuff for me. But, you know, I, I wanted to, to take a class with these people who I respect and admire. And so the ability to do it uh, with them was really fantastic. And of course, I got pictures with all of them. Uh, and then, um, 
on the final day, um, we wound up eating lunch with the all-time uh, Jeopardy champion, the people's champion, Ken Jennings uh, was there. And he also delightful. Um, we just happened to be in the buffet line uh, at the same time he was. And then like any good stalker, um, followed him back to the table he was sitting at and then uh, pestered him with questions. Um, so the two things that I learned about Jeopardy, uh, that uh, actually some of these you, you, might, you probably know. Uh, one is that um, the, uh, the, the, they tape 10 episodes in one day. So they are doing two weeks of shows in one day. And, uh, and it's crazy because you might go home immediately, right? Like you might go home after like 30 uh, minutes of taping this. And, but yet you still have to like bring 10 changes of clothes because, well, you might win, you don't know. And, uh, and so, uh, and the other really weird thing about that is, is, you know, everybody's in the same green room. You know, you've got potentially, well, I think they know, what is it? It's, uh, there's one winner, you know, every day and that person comes back. Oh, screw it, you do the math. But there's like, I don't know, like 30 people in that room or whatever, probably more. Um, and so, you know, you're, and, the, and you are with people that you uh, potentially are trying to beat, right? Like you are trying to, you know, wipe the floor with this person. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, uh, but you know, I, I tried to get Ken to, tell me if he did have any blind spots uh, in his knowledge and he said you know look I'm not the competitor now that I would be you know if we went back in time because he's not really actively studying he's not you know boning up on facts every single day he's you know he's he's he describes himself as naturally curious and so he always wants to learn more uh, which is why, you know, he knows so much is because he enjoys that aspect. But there is definitely a different mentality of like, oh, I've got to beat these people and like, you know, studying. Uh, but, uh, but, but he did say, though, that he does not study. Um, uh, he does not study actively at the show. He said that there were people, though, who brought like binders of facts to study uh, you know, right before they went on, and he was like, I don't, I don't understand how that's gonna help. You can't, you know, just cram in a bunch of knowledge because it's all over the place. Like, how could you even prepare to be like, the War of 1812, Grover Cleveland? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, he said that he did practice with flashcards. So he would have, you know, the names of uh, presidents and whatnot and the years that they were around and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was just, you know, uh, he, he had to know it already. Otherwise, you know, he wasn't gonna cram at the last minute. Right. But what's the point we're only flogging the horse when 
So, um, yeah, so, oh, so if you do want to hear um, uh, the, the Max Fun Con episode uh, of Jordan Jesse Go, um, Ken Jennings is on it. And I, I thought he was really funny. I mean, he's been a guest on Doug Loves Movies before, but I, this, was, this was really great. Very, very funny um, uh, performance by Ken Jennings. And I highly recommend uh, listening to it. Although there are some visual gags in it that I don't know really translate 100%. But um, I, I think overall it, it was very, very good. So definitely listen to uh, that Jordan Jesse Go episode. Okay, so you know what? It isn't um, just about the celebrities, which is, of course, I have to remind myself this every single year. No, it's about um, the the uh, the participants. You know, it's about it's about all of us. Um, and there was uh, one guy there that I thought was really funny, uh, and we we were we sat at a, at a table with him, and his name was Don. And he was just great. Um, I will I will read you the two funny things that he said um, that uh, that uh, uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, Let's assume you were right. So we were at the table, and um, the one of the women at the table was saying that. Uh, after this, uh, she was going to go and uh, visit some friend of hers or relative's two-week-old baby. And I said, hey, you know, look, just, just try not to drop the baby, okay? And then Don said, but how do you get the prizes out? <laughs> this is not some sort of baby pinata. You don't do that. And the other funny thing Don said was um, uh, this same woman was saying, that uh, she has as a pet a uh, Chihuahua Dachshund mix, and she said, "You know, this isn't this isn't a dog that we you know picked out. Like they, we just found that this dog was homeless, uh, and so we adopted it." And and Don said, "Yeah, God, I hope not. I mean, nobody wants that kind of a dog. That's like Denny's. You just wind up there." And he might have stolen that from somebody else, but I don't care. Let's pretend Don thought of that. So let's assume it was true. Baby so uh, let's also talk about a couple of the guest speakers um, that were there. Um, uh, there was uh, Linda Berry, who is a, uh, a, uh, a comic artist and has a very interesting art style. She did a couple of talks about um, sort of like creativity and just sort of freeing yourself from the idea that it has to be great. You know, you can't create a thing unless it is great. And um, this was something actually I was talking to Annie Savage about because, you know, she felt like she wanted to get a podcast going. And she, uh, Annie Savage, one of the Work Juice players, I can't, I might have left her out of the lineup. I can't remember. Anyway, so, um, and I was like, no, just, 
just do it, you know? And uh, perfection is the enemy of good. Uh, because if you are trying to do the perfect thing, you never will. Because perfection is a lie. Perfection is a myth. Let's all forget that. Uh, so anyway, so so Linda Berry's whole thing is like just doing things, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be great. Uh, and and Linda Berry's art style is very interesting because it doesn't it isn't what you normally think of, um, but it is so much it that um, it's I highly recommend it. It's it's very fun and very different. Okay. Uh, oh, and then the other guy that was there was Anil Dash. Um, he runs some big fancy website. I don't, I don't know which one. Uh, <laughs> and um, and he gave a whole talk on Prince, uh, the artist, the artist formerly known as. Uh, and it was really interesting because the way, you know, there's lots of fun stories about Prince that you could talk about, uh, but his whole focus was really pretty much saying that Prince always wanted to be James Brown and uh, like, you know, and, and his, the way he sort of painted this was, you know, talking about how uh, Prince later on in his life uh, used musicians that were uh, deeply associated with James Brown. Um, and there was an incident at one point in which James Brown was doing a concert and people climbed up on stage and the, the white police officers like just knocked them back in the crowd. It was not a good move for race relations in the 60s. Uh, and then James Brown like yelled at the cops and said, hey man, I'm fine, leave, leave them alone. And then eventually wound up pulling people up on stage, one of them being a very young, well, not at that particular show, but in a later show on the same tour, I believe the way he told the story, he pulled up Prince, a, a, like an eight-year-old Prince, and pulled him up on stage to dance with him. So, uh, very much, you know, Bruce, Spring, Bring, Bruce Springsteen and Courtney Cox and Dancing in the Dark, although this was, you know, not planned. This was, uh, you know, uh, just a spontaneous moment. And that, the way he, the way he frames it, it, it sort of set Prince in motion to always want to be James Brown. Uh, and there are many other parallels that he draws between Prince and James Brown. But the way, the, the, the sort of crowning moments where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's two moments that, that I, for me, really solidified that. One is um, he's playing a song and uh, Anil says that, um, that, you know, Prince will play a particular riff which will signify to the rest of the band that we're gonna change sections now. Uh, because when they do these songs live, they can get kind of jammy and they sort of, you know, get extended and they go, you know, much longer in certain sections than others. And that, you know, Prince will play a riff and then that will move the song along. And that's exactly the kind of thing James Brown used to do, except he would yell it. He would say, let's go to the bridge. Hit it and quit it. You know, like, and he would just like conduct 
but yell at the band, you know, and then there was no subtlety in James Brown. And, and one of the things, you know, that I always wondered about is if James Brown even wrote down lyrics, because it just seems like, you know, a song like Hot Pants or I Feel Good. Uh, I mean, I Feel Good is like, I feel good. I knew that I would now. I feel nice. Sugar and spice. I mean, that's like, oh, you know, not not great lyrics. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> so, um, uh, and, and, oh, so the crowning, the other crowning moment uh, where it's really clear, like, Prince was modeling after James Brown was at uh, they, some song or whatever. He, he made a music video that essentially recreates that concert with James Brown, where the white cops come out and, and you know, Prince, you know, waves them off and then he starts pulling people and he keeps screaming into the crowd, like, just keep dancing, just keep dancing, you know, and it's just like, it's to see those two moments, because he had videos of both of them, to see them played back to back, you're like, Oh, right. And Anil was very proud of himself uh, because he was like, yeah, you know, big Prince fans never picked up on this, cor on not correlation, what is this, uh, similarities, I guess, as you would say. Uh, and so, um, so uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was very well done. Uh, so Anil-A-N-I-L, D-A-S-H. So look him up. He's a really cool guy. I talked to him afterwards. Uh, uh, I did not take a picture with him. Um, oh, yeah. And finally, um, uh, another person I really, really enjoyed talking to but did not take a picture with is the great stand-up comedian um, Blaine Kapach. And Blaine, it it was really interesting. I... I I was, the more I talked to him, the realize how many parallels and similarities we have in our lives. Like, you know, we both performed stand-up at the Holy City Zoo. He was real good, and I was real bad. And, um, you know, I was on one episode of Mad TV. He used to write to, uh, on Mad TV for four years. I remember being in that green room at Mad TV, and... Um, and uh, looking out the window down and seeing him and being like, oh my God, that's Blaine Kapach. Um, and, and it's funny because like with Blaine, with Janet Varney, like I have heard them interviewed many, many times and I remember stuff. Well, see, is the problem. Like I have a good memory and most people don't. And so here I am like, you know, like at one point I asked Blaine Capacho, I was like, hey, how's your cholesterol? And his whole thing is like, he is anemic. And then so people are like, well, why don't you just eat more? And he's like, well, I can't because um, I, I have high cholesterol. And so I can't just eat like a steak or whatever. You know, he has to really watch what he eats. And then, of course, I said, well, how's your cholesterol? He's like, probably pretty bad. I'm working on my Blaine impression, probably pretty bad. Uh, and I said, why? He's like, well, I like to take my son to Shake Shack. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so uh, so hopefully Blaine is doing okay. Um, the reason I didn't want to take a picture with him is really because I just didn't want to ruin the mood. We, we talked for like a half an hour about his entire career and obviously his cholesterol and how 
you know, parts of our lives overlapped. I told him I was funny because at one point um, he, um, I said, oh, you know, once once I had told him about how I had been at the Holy City Zoo, I said, oh, so, you know, who, who was at the Holy City Zoo when you were there? And he was talking about people. Most of them I didn't recognize, but he was like, you know, uh, Lank and Earl were there. And I was like, oh, yeah, Lank and Earl are the reason that I got out of stand-up comedy. Um, <laughs> and it's and it's mostly because uh, Lank and Earl, when I was there, were the MCs, And, you know, they were the established working comedians and I you know I we would hang out kind of off to the side there really was no backstage at the Holy City Zoo we were just sort of off to the side and um, and we would talk to them you know all the other comedians waiting to go on and they um, they uh, they, they would uh, just bitch and moan about you know having to drive to San Ramon or Sunnyvale for rooster tea feathers or whatever, you know, and it was just so funny because it was like, oh my God, you guys, I would die to be a working comedian. And, and, but then it also said to me like, oh shit, like I'm miles away from being a professional comic. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just bombing. I mean, you know, I, I thought, and I told this to Blaine, I said, you know, I thought the open mic night was like a meritocracy. Like I thought if you um, had, uh, uh, you know, if you got, got there early, if you got there early and, you know, paid your $2, like you, that meant you got to be first. And then, you know, I did that one time and I gave her my $2 and then she released the lineup, the woman who ran it. And I was still in the 20s and I was just like, you know, if I'm in the 20s, I'm not getting any better. Lank and Earl, you know, are miserable. I'm just like, screw it. You know, this obviously is not the life that I thought it was. Uh, but, uh, it, and Blaine said something funny, which was that they were mad because he was getting more success than them because he had actually started, Blaine had actually started doing stand-up in Baltimore. And then... You know, when he moved out here to uh, to do comedy, like he had hit the ground running, like he was already polished. With Monopoly money, we'll be buying the funny farm. So, God, I love it when I I just you know step away from the microphone a little bit and let the musical guests go, and then we actually have like. Uh, you know, the song is actually relevant to what I'm saying. So I just got done talking about stand-up comedy, and then uh, uh, oh, uh, Amy Mann says something about the funny farm. I'm like, God damn, that was a, that's a lovely accident right there. Um, so okay, so before we go, um, I want to do uh, my favorite Blaine Capatch joke. Uh, and Blaine, Blaine is one of those rare comedians. I'm so pissed off that um, he doesn't do stand-up in Northern California anymore. I mean, you know, he's he's been a writer on television for the last, like, I don't know, 19 years. And we ran through his whole career, you know, about all, the, like, the weird jobs and shitty jobs he had. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and, and by shitty jobs, I mean, like, 
you know, all the weird shows that he had worked on. So, okay. So this is um, so this is my this is my favorite Blaine Capatch joke. I gotta step away from the microphone. Part part of Blaine's thing is that like he really punctuates certain words, so uh, this might get a little loud. Hey everybody, I know what you're thinking. That's right, I'm six foot, 120 pounds. Look at me, I'm a waif. I've got the statistics of a supermodel. Somebody fuck me. I'm worth millions. <laughs> oh, that joke cracks me up. Um, sadly, he didn't do any of those. He did a lot of other great jokes. Um, <laughs> some so weird that I can't even do them justice here. And I won't. Uh, but... Speaking of Anil Dash's sort of um, a bookending of uh, his talk on Prince, where he starts off sort of setting the stage with James Brown, and then at the end coming back, circling back, and and showing that indeed uh, Prince was trying to be James Brown. Um, let's finish this out with. Uh, the Baz Luhrmann's Everyone's Free to Wear Sunscreen. And another reason why I want to uh, end on this is because uh, this also bookended my weekend in Los Angeles. And uh, good old Pandora. I mean, you know, if this was being played on the radio, I would think it was just downright spooky. But because Pandora... Um, picked it for me, I was kind of like, uh, hmm, maybe Pandora knows something. Maybe maybe Pandora is giving this to me intentionally. They're like, because obviously it knows I'm in a different geolocation, and it knows I'm here uh, on a Friday, you know? Maybe it's trying to say something, like, hey, have a nice weekend, or, um, you know, or maybe it's looking at my itinerary, you know, behind my back, in my Google Calendar, knowing that I'm only going to be here for a weekend, so we better play it Friday and Sunday. I don't know, man, but uh, good for you, Pandora. Finally, finally, you stopped handing me the Smiths and give me something I actually want. A little Baz Luhrmann. Don't worry about the future, or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. Okay, so I'm just gonna let this play out, enjoy it, take its advice. But from me, from the music of Bright Brown and Amy Mann, and all the nice people that I meet at Max Fun Con every year. Uh, take the advice and let's do this one more time. Till then! Don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. The race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. Remember compliments you receive. Forget the insults. Succeed in doing this, tell me how. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives. Some of the most interesting 40-year-olds I know still don't. 
get plenty of calcium. Be kind to 